Hey, welcome back to Biblical Insights. Uh, it's time that we go on a journey again. Uh, go back to the first century and beyond. So we're going to be looking at the, people call them the Jewish festivals, but they're not actually the Jewish festivals. These are festivals and feasts that God uh, himself had ordered or commanded uh the Israelites to observe. So when you hear about these, the different festivals, uh, Passover, Unleavened Bread, uh, the Feast of Trumpets, uh, Weeks, Pentecost, stuff like that. These were, these were God instituted uh, festivals and feasts. These were not instituted, these are not Jewish, the, the Israelites or the, the Jewish Sanhedrin or anything. They didn't int- implement the, or they didn't, uh, bring these about, God ordered them and commanded the Israelites to observe them. So we need to make that clear right off the bat. I'm not saying that being a Gentile, that we're as like, like I am and grafted in to uh, the olive branch, that I'm not saying that we have to observe the, the festivals. I'm not saying that at all, but uh, these were God's implement or God implemented these so with that being said I want to just set that straight right off the bat so in Leviticus 23 we find the most comprehensive record of how the Israelites excuse me were commanded by God to observe seven feasts over a period of seven months the Hebrew for feast Moedim is strictly translated as appointed times. It's really important that these were appointed times. Four feasts were in the spring and the final three were observed in uh, in the autumn time. So the feasts have multiple layers of meaning and application. And that's what we're going to look at today is how did Jesus fulfill these feasts or future fulfillment of these festivals. So with that being said, uh, so the four feasts, like I said, were in the spring, the first four, and the final three were in the autumn. The feasts, like I said, have multiple meanings and application. They were related to the agricultural cycle and historical events meant to remind the Hebrews of what the Lord has done for them. As as important as these recognitions uh, were, they were nothing compared to what the feasts were ultimately about. And that's what we're going to point out today. So Colossians 2, 16 and 17, this is in the ESV. Uh, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. And that, again, is in Colossians 2, 16 and 17. The days regularly observed by the Israelites were a shadow or prophetic types pointing to what the Messiah has done or will do. In other words, every single feast was was really about one of the major works that Jesus would perform. When the Israelites uh, observed the feast, they were in the sense, in a sense, putting on plays that celebrated Jesus. And that's kind of interesting. So they're putting on plays 
celebrating Jesus. And I'm sure at the time they didn't know that this is what they were doing. This, they were, everything points to Jesus. The Old Testament points to Jesus. The New Testament points back at the cross and also points forward to the future in Revelation and, and the different prophetic events that haven't happened yet. So with that, so Leviticus 23 is a very striking prophetic summary of God's plan to redeem his creation. So we're going to take a look at Passover. And I've already done uh, messages about the Passover and also how the Passover fits in with the Jewish wedding feast. And Jesus celebrating Passover was just a fulfillment part of the Jewish wedding feast and stuff like that. So it's actually really interesting. But that's a previous message that I've done. So, but today we're going to look at the Passover. So in the first month, on the 14th day of the month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. And that's in Leviticus, excuse me, Leviticus 23, verse 5. So Passover, or Pesach, excuse me, uh, began on the 14th of Nisan. The, fe <clears throat> the feast was to observe when the Israelites were passed over by the wrath of the Lord as he moved through Egypt, slaying the firstborn of each family. That was the last plague, was Passover. After that, Pharaoh said enough, boom, you guys are gone. So, uh, so the Lord passed over each home that had the blood of the sacrificed lamb applied to the lintel and doorposts. Uh, and that's an Exodus 12 verse 1 through 28 you can read that story even before the first Passover occurred Moses ordered that the day would be kept as a memorial and a feast and we'll read about that in Exodus 12 verse 14 so on here where Jesus comes in on the 10th day of Nisan Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that donkey okay it was prophesied to the very day of that happening so this happened on the very same day that the Israelites were to select their unblemished lambs to be sacrificed by the whole congregation four days later, Exodus 12, 3 through 6. Like the unblemished lambs, Jesus was pre presented to Israel as being perfect, i.e. sinless. Okay, Before being sacrificed on the 14th day of Nisan, or the beginning of the Passover, and that was in John 19:14. Okay, the Passover lambs died at twilight, Exodus 12, verse 6, Leviticus 23, 5, as did Jesus, Matthew 27, verses 45 through 50. It's also to note where Jesus came, where did he get the donkey, where did he come in from, where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. Okay, not Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem. So where are all the lambs that uh, for Passover? Where are all these lambs that the high priest and the, and the priests get for Passover? It's in Bethlehem. So they have, that's where they get all the lambs for the, sac <clears throat> the sacrifice on Passover. So Jesus was coming in on the donkey behind... The, the, the people that have just selected their donkey or their, their lambs from Bethlehem. They had just came from Bethlehem with their lambs. And who's coming in right behind? Jesus is. So Jesus is entering the triumphal entry of Jesus as, as king. 
but he's coming in, but he's gonna he's gonna be dying uh, as a sacrificial lamb. So a lot of symbolism there. We got to really pay attention to that. So the Passover dies at twilight. So does Jesus. And of course, Jesus is the ultimate Passover lamb. We know this, which the others were only pointing to. Jesus was truly the lamb without defect, 1 Peter 1.19, as he knew no sin, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Jesus was the lamb who takes away the sins of the world, John 1.29. Paul even identified Christ as the Passover lamb that had been sacrificed, 1 Corinthians 5.7. So we'll read in Romans 3.25 where it says, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. So Jesus is the propitiation uh, for sin. He is in the stead of, he has taken our sin, our punishment by his blood, we are saved. So the blood of Jesus is applied to those who have faith in him, just as the Israelites in Egypt applied the blood uh, from a sacrificed lamb that they had inspected and found without blemish on the doorposts and lentils of their home, and the Spirit of the Lord passed over, sparing them because of the blood that they had applied to the doors. So the blood of Jesus is applied to those who have faith in him. This allows the sin of the saved person to be, to be covered by the righteousness of Christ so that God may pass over us when it comes to judgment. This is the true Passover that in the first one in Egypt and the reenactments on the feast day that we're only looking to, pointing towards Jesus. So that's a quick summary of the Passover and how Jesus fulfills the Passover. Let's look at unle the Feast of Unleavened Bread, okay? Leviticus 23, 6. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day, you shall have a holy convocation and, <clears throat> excuse me, you shall not do any ordinary work, but you shall present a food offering to the Lord for seven days. On the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. Again, that is Leviticus 23, 6. So, the Feast of Unleavened Bread begins on the 15th of Nisan and lasts for seven days. Okay, The first and last days of the seven-day feast are identified as Holy Convocations or High Sabbaths. The feast looked to recall how the Israelites were not able to add yeast to their bread as they fled from Egypt. They didn't have time for the bread to rise. So it had to be without yeast, unleavened. Okay, 
So again, the feasts look to recall how the Israelites were unable to add uh, add bread to their or yeast to their bread. Okay, the prohibition against eating leavened bread during the feast was so severe that all of it had to be removed from the Israel uh, the Israelite homes. Okay, if any person did eat leavened bread then he or she was cut off from Israel. And that's in Exodus 12, 15. Very serious. Okay, recall that Jesus died only hours before sunset on Nisan 14. So the 14th of Nisan. Okay, he would have been buried on the 15th day of Nisan and thus on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. While the burial of Jesus clearly fulfilled this feast, it is not immediately obvious as to how. The answer lies in that scripture often use, uses leaven as a picture of sin and its corrupting nature. Sin is very corrupting and that is why we need the blood of Jesus uh, over our lives to be saved. Jesus himself used leaven in this sense on a few occasions, including Mark chapter 18, verse 15. Okay, and he cautioned them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Uh, and Paul the apostle also used leaven in the sense as part of his teachings, for example, in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? So a little sin in your life, oh, it's just a little sin. But that little sin that's in your life will destroy the same thing. It's just like one drop of cyanide in your uh, little shaker cup you take to work that one little drop of cyanide poisons, ruins the entire bottle. Thus, you're dead. So, so if your boasting is not good, do you not know that a little leaven leavens a whole lump? And we know that. The burial of Jesus then signified the Messiah's sinless life and thereby him being the perfect sacrifice, it may even be fair to conclude that the buried body of Jesus was likened to a kernel of wheat planted in the ground that would soon burst forth as the bread of life. John 6, 35 through 51. Even the matzah bread used by Jews in celebrating Passover today is filled with piercings and wounds. So if you look at it, it's burnt. Okay, it's got stripes and it's pierced, just like our Messiah was on the cross. All right, so that's unleavened bread. Let's look at first fruits. Okay, so we've looked at Passover, unleavened bread, and the fest feast of first fruits. And the Lord here in Leviticus 23 9 through 11, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheath of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest, and he shall wave the sheath before the Lord 
so that you may be accepted on that <clears throat> excuse me on the day after the sabbath the priest shall wave it and that's in Leviticus 23 9 through 11 so the feast of first fruits is on the 17th of Nisan okay on this day the harvest was celebrated by waving a sheath of the first ripened grain before the Lord. Jesus rose from the dead on the third day and therefore on the feast of first fruits. If this doesn't make your skin crawl and make you go, wow, okay, I don't know what does. His resurrection was like a wave offering before the Father that signaled that there would be many more to follow. Romans 8.23. Paul verifies this uh, in 1 Corinthians 15.20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Okay, next. The Festival of Weeks, or as we know it, uh, Pentecost. Okay, you shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheath of the wave offering, you shall count 50 days, that's five zero, 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, and then you shall present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord. That's in Leviticus 23, 15 through 16. Okay, on the 6th of Sivan, Shavuot, or the Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost, Greek for 50, was to be observed. It was a common Jewish belief that weeks was commemorated in order to celebrate the day that the Lord gave Moses the law on Mount Sinai. Okay, and the subsequent birth of Israel as a nation, Exodus 19. Moses brought the people out to meet God, and they saw that Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended upon it in fire. That's in Exodus 19, verses 17 and 18. Okay, another holy nation, the church in 1 Peter 2.9, i.e. the body of Christ, was born on Pentecost when the Father sent the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, John 14.26, to indwell his people, Acts 2. You can read about that. Jesus appeared over a period of 40 days after the resurrection. And that's Acts 1, verse 3. You can read that. Before Jesus ascended, he told the apostles not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. For 10 days, the apostles were waiting for something to happen. Okay, let's think about this for a second. How long did Jesus, Terry? How long did Jesus appear after the resurrection? 40 days, four zero. And how long did Jesus say to, uh, to, the, to wait for what the Father had promised? For 10 days, the apostles were waiting for something to happen. The wait was necessary because the Holy Spirit had to come on the specified day. 
50 days, 5-0 days after the Messiah's resurrection on first fruits. God once again descended upon his people with fire. And that's in Acts 2-3. It is even possible that the two loaves of bread that were to be brought before the Lord, Leviticus 23:17, represented both Jew and Gentile. Okay, so with that, we have we have just done the uh, first four festivals or feasts of Jesus: Passover, unleavened bread. Uh, festival of Pentecost and first fruits so those are the spring festivals then it comes into the summer months where and Jesus has already fulfilled the first four we can read about that in the New Testament we can read about uh, what they are in the Old Testament we can read about the fulfillment of them in the New Testament so now we're waiting on the now we're in that summer gap, that summer before the autumn feasts come about. So with that, we're going to end right there. Uh, and then next time we're going to pick up within that summer gap. And also that summer gap kind of plays into the Jewish wedding feast. All these things tie together. And once you kind of step back and look at the big picture of all this, it is amazing how we can see there's no way that God doesn't have a plan and have his finger on all this because we can see all these just it's crazy to think about it, how this is all happening and we can see all this it's amazing and I just absolutely love studying this and watching this um, so right now we're gonna take a uh, take a break we're gonna end right here and within that summer gap take our little summer vacation for a second we'll come back next time and we will look at what what happens within that summer gap how that kind of ties in with the jewish wedding feast where jesus is right now he's off preparing uh in my father's house or many mansions i go and prepare a place so what is he doing right now he's off preparing okay so he's going to come back and that's what we're going to see we're going to see it coming back and we're going to look at the the uh, the fall festivals or the or the autumn, the later ones. So, anyways, with that, uh, God bless, and we will see you next time. Thank you.